As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Burn and Return podcast. I'm going to be your host. My name is Matt Martin, and I'm joined by my two lovely co-hosts here. I've got Mr. Ray Ito. Ray, how are you doing this, this fine evening, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That's fantastic. I wouldn't accept it any other way. And Mr. DeMay, how are you, sir? You know, Matt, I was driving along the highway today and I was thinking to myself, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of time to think today. And so I saw a guy trying to pick up a mattress off the side of the road. You know, those ones that blow over off the side and you don't know like why it's there. If it's the guys that he left it and he's coming back for it, is he just see a nice looking mattress on the side of the road? He doesn't want to pick it up. I'm just wondering, like, how do we fall so far behind as a society that we're no longer picking up hitchhikers and transient sex workers? We have to pick up mattresses. I just, that's what I thought about this afternoon. So with that, let's continue. That's 2021 in a nutshell. Uh, And I think with that beautiful intro, that's that's a perfect reason for us to go ahead and jump into today's headlines. So headline number one here is, man, I tell you what, I read these sometimes and I just, it makes me want to bang my head against the wall, but I thought this was actually a relatively fair article here and it reads, how to avoid greenwashing and harmful pesticides in lawn care. Organic, natural, companies are looking to cash in on consumers' desire for environmentally friendly options. Natural, holistic, eco-friendly, what do these terms mean when it comes to landscaping and lawn care? Specifically, what I found interesting about this was they cited that in 2012, Scott's miracle Grow paid criminal fines and civil penalties for pesticide law violations, including affixing misleading labels to pesticides. Now, what's a little bit misleading about that, a lot of that played into when Scott's miracle Grow created a bonus S, uh, Scott's Builder bonus S for Southern Lawns that contained metsulfuron methyl. And we've talked about, uh, maybe not all of us together, but there are some very real risk that uh, comes along with applying metsulfuron methyl. And anyway, they had a lot of dead lawns that led to um, uh, lawsuits and stuff. So I'm not 100% certain that that's what they're referencing here, but uh, I do know that was within that same time frame uh, that, that, uh, that all broke out. I don't need two intros. That's fine. Ew, I thought we were going to run it back twice. That's okay. Uh, and then uh-huh. another thing they also cited here is True Green. Uh, I did not realize this, but uh, True Green actually got caught uh, marketing their environmentally friendly, sustainable lawn care services that uses no chemicals that may cause cancer, allergic reactions, or other health and environmental harms. 
Uh, but it turns out that was... <laughs> yes, is exactly yeah, where, where... how I feel about that. Where where was the uh, where was the legal team at on that one? I mean, surely there had to be somebody that read that copy and was just like, "Are you guys on fucking drugs right now? Like for real? Do you think? I mean, that is that is a strong thing to put out there. And I don't know if they were talking about. I know when I was at True Green, they had what they called um, uh, it was like the healthy something alternative or whatever, whatever. And it was you know like an organic program and. Everybody hated it because the yards looked like just complete and total trash. You know, uh, they were full of weeds and stuff. And that was that was the big thing that, you know, when you showed up these lawns, you were like cheering at the biodiversity that that was taking place in this horrific looking patchy ass yard. Right. And they come out and everybody's screaming at you about how horrible it looks. And you're like, no, this is perfect. This is exactly what we're going for when we're talking about an environmentally uh, conscious uh, uh, type of yard here which I think is a stretch in and of itself. So anyway, and th- what they end up bringing up is, uh, you know, while a Roundup and glyphosate may be, you know, kind of the face of this right now, there are some uh, products out there like 2,4-D that are kind of sliding under the radar. And I would agree with that. And then they further go on to talk about organic versus natural and how a lot of times these t- claims they make of a natural product uh, is alluded to being organic or it's used as a marketing cur- uh, term in order to make people feel better about the product they're receiving uh, when actuality it may be considered low risk in other ways it may not be at all. Uh, so it gets into a little bit more frou-frou at the end where they say let your lawn go wild and all that fun stuff and who do they use as the perfect example of, of doing that? Montgomery County, Maryland. And for those of you who don't know, Montgomery County, Maryland is the uh, craziest place in America that banned the use of pesticides in pretty much all lawn care that's not organic uh, as some sort of way to preserve the Chesapeake Bay that turns out isn't really working as they thought it was going to. So I don't know, guys. Here's the thing. And I... There's one reason that I wanted to do, why I wanted to bring this up is the the false advertising perspective. I think that's something I kind of harp on a lot. Um, and I'm tying it in with another article we're going to be talking about later about a company that was advertising as an organic product. And it turns out it actually contained about 50% glyphosate. So with this going on and you know, I, I, I think about all the lawn care guys that are out there right now and they're looking for, so we've, we've entered this situation where lawn care is still growing, right? Um, the guys that are out treating lawns, this industry is still growing and, and that is a positive thing. What happens is, is that people are looking for ways to differentiate themselves from the competition, right? Because these lawn care guys, the prices are going up on them. They're going up on prices to their consumers. Um, there's more work than they can take on right now. So they're even further raising prices, you know, to kind of weed out the riffraff that may approach them about taking on a lawn as, as a lawn care client. And, uh, and so, you know, they look for ways to be a, a market differentiator. And a lot of times it's, you know, that they take a hybrid apro- approach or um, uh, a, a sustainable approach or an organic or natural approach. And I think that I think there's some risk in doing that, that you have to be incredibly dialed in with your language in those types of scenarios, or 
these people will start deep diving into you and call a spade a spade where they find it. And it may not be pretty. What are y'all's thoughts on it? Okay. Ray, go ahead first. Do you know what kind of people seek me out specifically, Matt? Not these people. <laughs> no. No. Absolutely not. I mean, these people that seek me out are basically sick and tired of all of the wasted work and horse shit. They're tired of it. They're over it. They're over it. I mean, just give them something that works and works reliably. And at the same time, uh, they also look to me to not be that person carrying around that leaky plastic hand sprayer full of glyphosate all over the property, dripping, you know, dead spots into the lawn and the landscape. You know, in other words, they, they look to me to where, okay, yes, I spray, but I'm responsible about it. Man, there's, there's a lot to use Matt's favorite <laughs> verb here, unpack in this one. Uh, you know, the first thing is, True, I agree with Matt. True Green or anybody, I don't care if you're a one-man band or you're the big biggest kid on the block, you ought to be careful with how you say what you say, right? In public, in the way that it's in, presented in a marketing fashion. You know, we get on here, we joke around and everything like that, but that's that's different speech than putting a marketing claim out there and saying that this is my company and who I stand behind it and the work that we're going to produce. So, you know, the thing about all this stuff is, number one, uh, I agree wholeheartedly that this, these words, right, natural, organic, uh, they're all warm, fuzzy feelings that people get when they hear them. But when they see the results, Ray, they're like, ah, yeah, that's, that's not what I expected. So I would say it's two different ways. Number one, to Matt's point, I think there is a niche here to fit in. But you have to be an absolute expert at communication and setting expectations and resetting expectations and resetting expectations, right? Because it ain't ever going to be a 10, right, in our eyes, but maybe it's a 10 in somebody else's eyes. And this is the thing, Ray, we, we did this uh, a long time ago uh, at my previous job, and, and there was a lot of clamoring for organic and natural and uh, going down that path. And I wasn't against it, but I said, listen, let me show you what organic looks like. Let me show you what natural looks like. Let me show you what a hybrid approach looks like. And let's look at conventional, right? And I'm going to have you tell me what you like, you, what you like to see and what you like to play on, right? And then we'll mm -hmm. take it from there. And I think you do the same thing along here. I think you can show folks, hey, this is what we're going to get. This is topped out on a hybrid approach. This is the best it's going to look, feel, all that kind of stuff. Are you happy with it? Are you happy with the price? Are you happy with the warm and fuzzies you get from saying that, hey, I, you know, take some of the things off the table that are really, really harmful? That might be good enough for in, some people. So, but in general, let me stop you in that overall, uh, Ryan, I always gravitate towards the reduced risk products, you know, as a rule, because I have to think about their dogs, their cats, their kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got to think about that kind of stuff. So, uh, it's not like I have that uh, stash of chlorpyrifos, you know, 
in the secret box on my truck. You know, I don't, I don't have that. Not doing that. Buy, but, buy, buy army worms. But the, the whole thing is, is I also am very transparent with people in that if you want yeah. the, you know, that lawn to be an eight to a 10 all the time, this is what we need to do because if you go hybrid, here's your trade-off. That mm-hmm. property will require a lot more labor to deal with. And somebody pays for that work. Number two, if you go for the total organic, uh, same thing. Somebody pays for it. But then if we go conventional and it's managed in a responsible way, uh, then you probably, I think, get the best of both worlds where you get that 8 to 10 all the time and you get it at what I consider a fairly reasonable price. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing overall is that, you know, if you look at what is out there in the marketplace right now in terms of services and everything like that, there's definitely an opportunity to do better in that space of the organic and natural folks. Right. Um, I see smaller companies that are succeeding here locally and I see some other in some other locations that are succeeding, but um, there's a, there's a woman up in Minneapolis. I think we should try and have on. She does a, a all natural or uh, very organic forward approach. I'll find her name and J pink. We'll see if we can get her on here uh, because we're booked up through GIE and then in November, nothing goes on in Minnesota. Right, Matt? I mean, they basically just camp mm-hmm. out in their igloos and yep. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Right. And drink ice fish, ice fish. And drink. I, the last thing I'll say is <laughs> last thing I'll say is this, is that if you don't think that these people are watching you, if you don't think that you're going to be scrutinized, forget it. Right. It's, it's coming. So, all right, let's hear about, uh, some non foot eating fish. <laughs> this one, I guys on our show notes here. I named this a China fish farm poisons Africa, which is uh, that is not actually how it read. Uh, it said fish farming is feeding the world, but at what cost? And kind of an interesting story here. And this is where you know China is obviously making a play into the African continent. And what we saw last week is you know there's been a big boom in uh, the agricultural uh, world, especially with young people, which I thought was very encouraging. I like to see that. Um, however, what they have here is a fish farm, and they had their body of water just outside of the Gunjur community there that turned completely and totally red. Uh, they tested it, and turns out pollution at these levels is an absolute disaster, they said. And it turns out it came from one source, illegally dumped waste from a Chinese fish processing plant called Golden Lead, which operates on the edge of the reserve. Now, how do they react to this? They find this company. They find this company, guess how much, gentlemen? It's got to be a real hot whop of a doozy, right? $25,000, which of course the Chinese company described <laughs> as paltry and offensive, right? Small um, money. However, small money. Oh, I know. <laughs> and to call that paltry and offensive is just really uh, something uh, it just is, is absolutely laughable. Uh, yeah, I, if, if that had been in the United States, that would have been a $250 million to, to $2 billion fine that you came across there. 
And why did I bring this up? I don't know. Um, but I think it kind of plays into this thing that as we, you know, we were talking about before when we were talking about these renewable projects and sustainable projects, and you have to follow the stream up, right? To make sure that what you may be receiving is uh, indeed uh, 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 an environmentally friendly approach or uh, a sustainable product is, is, is the whole supply chain that affects that worse than what, what it would be otherwise. And I understand water's overfished right now. The, the, the demand for uh, fish as a food source exceeds what the, the population is right now. You know, the demand is greater than what the, the availability. And so it requires fish farms to come up. But, you know, we run into this situation again where what do we do when we have it? We do a nice thing and then we take it all away by dumping all the waste into the water, which ends up poisoning the waterways, killing the remaining fish and destroying uh, a local community, which is which is a, a, a terrible thing. Matt, I have known for a long time that farmed fish is just environmentally dirty, okay? It's a filthy process, and everybody talks trash about, oh, the kind of bad things that you feed chickens, pigs, and cows that pales in comparison to the things fed to farmed fish. Okay, it pales because do you know what's in a lot of these foods that are manufactured and used in these factory fish farming operations, guys? Let me let me let me give you some guesses. I got nothing. I'm gonna okay. say the the the, gut, the guts of murdered convicts. That's what I figured. That's where he might be going. No, actually, actually I'll, I'll, oh. I'll I'll just tell you. For factory farmed fish, what's frequently present in their food is a cocktail of growth enhancing steroids, antibiotics, and antiparasite medications, and that's all oh, needed because diary. yeah, <laughs> and that's all needed because. It is not natural for for fish to be packed into such a small living area. It's unnatural for them Ray, to be you, crammed into a little pond. Are you are you trying to say that some of these salmon could hit it with J Lo? Is that what you're saying? No, some know. of these salmon. You know, a lot of these, a lot of the salmon and whatever, is just not the health food that they tout it as. Okay, it's so not. isn't this the, isn't this the same moral of the story here, folks? Right? We have our, we have organic lawn care that makes everybody feel warm and fuzzy inside, but that's not what they're getting, right? They're getting bait and switched, right? Mm -hmm. Or they're getting something that they don't they wouldn't feel good about if they knew. But how many the people truth. do you think would fly off the hand? Yeah, the truth. And how many people do you think would walk into Kroger or Publix and be pissed because they couldn't get salmon on their salad bar salad because they want it right now? And that's the, that's the thing, right? You're trying to feed people at scale, a global scale, and guess what? There ain't enough fish in the ocean. There ain't enough corn out there. You're going to have to do some unnatural shit to make it all work. And this is the, and this is the thing we live in. It's, this is the and world it can't be done. Brian. 
it's it, it, it the thing is is can it be done at the prices at which the fish is sold right now right like you know for fair, instance if fair. this was turned into a pure aquaculture environment that had plants growing in it to help you know absorb some of the cleanup and um risk remediation you know is it a is it a contained waterway where everything is left on site and you know it's not leaching out into into other communities and stuff there could definitely be some improvements that are done. You know, again, this is China investing in Africa. It's the wild, wild west of them right now. So, you know, it's uh, I came, I saw, I conquered kind of sort of mentality, right? What did they Anything do? Anything goes. A, a, a soccer <laughs> field or something to allow them to to the mineral rights of mining down there or something. You know, I mean, I think that's pretty par for the course for what we see. But I think it is something to keep in mind that, you, you know, if as we continue down this path of sustainability, trace it traceability is is an important piece of it and for people that are going to continue to make these claims investigate check it out because and by the way do you know what caused this run on fish what caused the the the, the health diets the mediterranean diets or whatever yeah all the all that horse shit health food crap because Matt, guess how much of that I follow? Uh, Ray, I know you eat biscuits and steak, and that's like that's like it, uh, and homemade pizza. <laughs> like you you eat like a three thousand carbohydrate diet a day. I eat three <laughs> carbohydrates, and I I look like a damn bullfrog walking around. So Ray's on that Michael yeah. Phelps Olympic diet. <laughs> yeah. see, I, see, I, I thought I thought I thought now do you guys remember uh, you, Ray you don't remember this at all it's a Midwest thing and you might not even remember this Matt the Bob and Tom show that was on the radio it was like a syndicated yeah, J- morning J- J- radio Pink show remembers that Jay Pink I know remembers the Bob, that. And, Tom Bob and Tom so they had this guy on there Bob Zaney he was one of the comics that would come on and do bits and everything and he sold this bumper sticker and I swear to god there's like a two-year period I saw this on like every car in the Midwest not every car but I'm exaggerating but it said salmon the other pink meat maybe that's what put it us over the top I don't know but Bob Zaney I'm gonna blame this whole thing right we went from farm fishing to Africa to soccer fields to China Bob Zaney, you rat bastard. <laughs> you did it. This is all your freaking fault. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the other pink mate, Bob, we get it. All right, we get the yeah. joke. Go on. Bob's being called out by the guy that snorts uh, flour and drinks water to produce his own bread internally, too. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on to this next one here. Uh, and this is a beautiful article here. To sustainably harness cow manure's usefulness, Fired up, boys. Fired up. Cow manure, long-time agricultural waste headache for dairy farmers, soon may ignite a new sustainable fertilizing trend. Here we go, boys. One of my favorite topics. Judiciously decomposing organic matter from 700 degrees Fahrenheit to 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit without oxygen, our favorite process known as pyrolysis. Very different from incineration. And retaining nutrients from dairy lagoons can transform manure into a manageable, ecological, e- ecologically friendly biochar fertilizer, according to uh, a new <laughs> research published July 22nd in Nature Scientific Reports. Manure is usually a liquid problem, and it has increasingly been an issue of disposal. Using pyrolysis of solid manure and retention of nutrients from liquid onto the biochar, we can create fertilizer from waste that's marketable commodity that's a marketable commodity 
Farmers I like can spread this, this fertilizer like this. when the field crops need it instead of when the farmers need to get rid of manure. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, once we this is the quote, once we make a dry fertilizer out of what was once a liquid problem, it is no longer an issue of disposal. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and have to disagree. I mean, I understand what the premise of that statement is, but it, you still got to get rid of it. And what measures do we take what costs do we undertake uh all of the things that took to turn it in from liquid shit to pelletized biochard pyrolyzed solid shit to then spread on the fields i'm not sure that we've really turned the dial down on our carbon footprint or impact to the environment or Demay? any of that way, right like am, am I missing something? don't ask these questions <laughs> I feel like well, I feel like we need to go into these pitch meetings and do like the no pass line bet. You know, when you go to the craps table and you bet the pass line, Ray, everybody wants you to be a winner. We need to go in there and bet the no pass line and say, these guys are all full of shit. You shouldn't say anything and believe anything they say. Ray, let me ask you a question. When you sure. pyrolyze manure, what gases are released in that stream? Gotta be High nothing, amounts right? No, high amounts of ammonia and hydrogen sulfide, which, oh crap, Matt, can you please explain to me how the waste stream from this plant can be safely contained or otherwise processed into something useful and safe to deal with? Because ammonia and hydrogen sulfide are two of the most toxic gases I know of. Well, I mean, that stuff on. will kill you. <laughs> hang on, hang on, because this is what happens. As the gas stream comes off, right, they have to do something with that gas stream. And typically, they'll put it through a series of scrubbers, and they'll flare off one part of it. Uh, and then mm -hmm. the other part of, of it, as it cools, you got to remember, this is coming off at, what, 700, 1200 degrees Fahrenheit, evaporating all this water off. You know, you've got all kinds of different funk that's coming off of it. You, you flare off a portion of it. The other portion of it, when it cools, you get to cool it relatively quickly. Now, all of a sudden, you've got condensation that forms. That condensation that forms is going to carry a lot of these byproducts from, from the pyrolysis process. And that, that liquid was initially intended. If you go back and you read the biochar patents, you will see that that is cited as being potable water. Aside from the fact of the rich amounts of arsenic, cyanide, benzenes, hexanes, and incredibly toxic materials that it's rich in. And <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm kind of picking on Asia today. But if you, if you head on over into the, 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 the global Asian market and look up wood vinegar, which is exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody that's ever heard of wood vinegar is pyroligneous acid. It is the byproduct of the condensation of the, the gas stream where it starts to generate all this liquid, this funky, funky liquid. The cleaned up version of it, of pyroligneous acid is also known as liquid smoke that we use to cook with, right? But that is like, it is going through ultra processing to reach that point. You've ever smelled liquid smoke that also smells like wood vinegar, which they use as like dog fur rubs, uh, seed germinators, and all kinds of fun stuff over in Asia. 
So we're kind of creeping back into here. And now here's the thing is that they're treating this uh, this first, right? So they're treating the biochar with carbon dioxide to enrich it with nitrogen. And that's where they're seeing all these additional advantages come out of it, which is great. And that's fun. And that's awesome. But if you think about it, if if uh, if dairy manure is 20% solids, 40% solids, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Um, and you've got and it's typically a waste, a liquid waste they have to deal with, you know, you are dumping off a ton of moisture. And in order to get rid of that much moisture, it requires a ton of energy. Where is the energy coming from? Is it natural gas? Are you burning diesel? Do you have electric heaters? Where the hell is it coming from? Yeah, and where the heck is the electricity coming from to run that plant? I'm just at a loss because, and and you got to help me out here. Is how does all get glossed over and these people still get money, right? Like how is nobody saying? And I guess if they don't care and they think they can make money, I, I understand that, like the capitalistic side of it. But how is nobody asking these questions? You know, these people are pitching, you know, freaking uh, backyard lawn games on freaking Shark Tank and getting money there and we've got these idiots that are you know basically i shouldn't call them idiots i'm sure they're fine people right but are pitching things that uh, i understand it's solving one problem but it's creating what what are we, uh, probably seven to one we're at on a ratio here like it, yeah uh, it blows my mind that there's not somebody in these meetings with these private equity firms and vc guys and just being like I understand what you're saying, but that's fucking stupid. And it's not to say that they can't get it cleaned up. I'm sure eventually technology will move in such a way that they are oh, able yeah. to get it cleaned up. Uh, that you know, that's part of the American dream is is you know being able to solve these problems and and turn it into a success story, right? So I think it it will eventually happen. We're not there yet uh, by any stretch of means of the imagination. Because listen, I have worked very closely over the last half a decade of people that have tried to turn biochar into diesel fuel, into bulletproof vests, into graphene, you want to name it, they have tried it. Just burning the sin gas that comes off of it because as you, as you pyrolyze this, uh, you know, you're, you're breaking away a lot of uh, hydrocarbons too, and hydrocarbons are flammable. Um, and, on, on and, you know, you go to power a generator off, off this hydrogen, uh, hydrocarbon rich uh, renewable uh, gas stream, right? But it's a very dirty gas stream and then it fouls up engines and all this fun stuff. So it's getting better. It's not there yet. And so I would say a lot to this right here that if someone else is already running this process, if somebody else already has the infrastructure in place, has the system in place that is effective, I don't know of any biochar facilities in america right now that are profitably generating renewable energy in a safe way i don't know any in canada and if they if they were i would ask to look at the books um very closely because the efficiency of paralysis is just not there yet and the secondary the secondary effects from it as well right so i'll kind of leave it at that uh, this next one here, uh, is we got a, a DWI on a lawnmower, gentlemen. These are always my favorite. A New York man arrested for DWI on his lawnmower. 
On Sunday, New York State <laughs> police arrested John M. Ormsby, 58, also known as Matt Martin of Schuler Falls for DWI after he was stopped on his lawnmower while driving through the intersection of State Route 22 and Norrisville Road in Schuler, 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 Schuler Falls, New York. Let's go. Let's he had a BAC of a .22. Oh, boy, was lit. .22's up there. It is. No. If I uh, if I had a if I anything beyond a point one five, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna take my shirt off. I'm gonna grab the guitar, and I think, I think I'm Aerosmith. Just flat out. You think? Uh, I'll <laughs> tell you what. That would be that would be an interesting. Uh, I, I wish they had those stats right that you can keep that some type of like uh, biometric device on you so that like you could go back and tell everybody like what your career BAC. Yeah, you know, I average like a. It was like a 185 for my career, you know, whatever. You know, that, <laughs> that, that season, that, that 2000, 2006 year, you know, my sophomore year at UT Knoxville, pff, I was the 300, I was 300 hitter boys, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why I won cried so much crown. that year. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. So, or uh, the thing I'm trying to, <laughs> what, 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 or, in my case, it was, I spent uh, most of, I think, uh, 1989 to, uh, you know, 2000, you know, to, you know, to 1995 above 0.1. Hey, if you're strapping up a five-gallon sprayer with a motor on your back every single day, I don't. I don't blame you for self-medicating, sir. Not not one bit. No, that that, that was before. This. That was before oh. then. That was before. That was before then. That was when I was, you know, young and stupid. <laughs> the chapter, the chapter uh, segmentation of Ray's autobiography is really going to be important. I mean, it it really is. I'm just going to say this: old boy had himself a good time. Maybe thought he was going to go mow some lawns, right? You know, maybe he was out of beer money at the bar, and he thought, "Man, I'm gonna go down there to Shirley's house. Make me some money. I'm gonna I go gotta, get. It's gonna be thirty. Gonna be thirty dollars. I'll just tell her I'll trim and blow tomorrow. I'm just gonna mow today, and we'll come right back over there to the Elks, and we'll keep getting fucked up. That's it. <laughs> that was exactly the self talk. Why does Shiler right Falls, New York, have that accent? Is the only thing I want to know. That does not sound oh, like you, anybody some, in New York I've ever heard. Anybody who's they all sound they all sound like they all sound like uh, uh, some beach in the in the Discord. You know, well, I use guys are gonna go up there and eat pizza and that shit. You know, you, you, you guys, you, you, you don't know anything about Canada. First of all, second, no, of all, I don't, I don't know a damn to, thing. Anybody who's willing to get I'll drunk see. on a lawnmower clearly has some lineage from south of the Mason-Dixon line. I bet you if you go back and do a, a 23andMe test on this dude, it's going to be like Tennessee, Tennessee, Alabama. Like we're going to hit, we'll hit every fucking state in the SEC before we even get to the third level of his family tree. I guarantee you. Guarantee it. <laughs> Our next article here, uh, and this is one near and dear to everybody's hearts. I feel like we, we continue to talk about this every week. Uh, Army worm invasion causing lawn and crop damage across the tri-state. Uh, and this is um, one here uh, we, the, in Missouri. This is Cape Girardeau, Missouri. I saw one in Kentucky. I saw one in Knoxville, Tennessee today. 
Um, I saw uh, the university, uh, or who is it, Penn State. I saw Penn State put out a warning about it. They're everywhere, gentlemen. If if you're not dealing with army worms, you will be dealing with army worms. If you're, I shit, they're in Oklahoma right now. I was going to say if you're east of the Mississippi, but no. Um, I would say all the way up to the Colorado Rockies, just expect to deal with army worms this year. Just expect it. And don't be shocked when they show up because I promise you, you can reach out to a hundred different people and be like, oh my God, I got army worms. And everybody's going to be like, I know, asshole. I've been dealing with them for three weeks now. I'm tired of it. <laughs> so, yeah. That's what it is. If you want to control it, good luck with bifenthrin. Maybe try permethrin. Acelaprin is great as a preventative. Acelaprin is great as a curative. And there's lots of different insecticides out there that you can spray. Uh, and and go at it. Have fun. Spray them. Why do you have them this year, Ryan? Could tell us tell us what the entomologists are telling you. What what was it you said? Uh, the big thing they're saying is that uh, jet stream and tropical storm patterns that brought up the moss here back in like June, uh, early July, those moths were flying and they were moving, you know, as much as five hundred miles a day, right? So they just got themselves way further north than they expected and. Green grass is green grass to them. They don't mind if it's Bermuda grass in the south or if it's cool season up here in the north, and they went for it. So um, the populations here in central Ohio, through the roof, never seen anything like it in 20 years of growing turf, uh, professionally in 25 years of taking care of turf in Ohio. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. And so uh, I've seen it all the way up into southeast Michigan, up near the Detroit area. So think, I mean, think about that. Like these these guys are way further north than they normally are and so that that's really pushing people's buttons right now so um ray ray i want to get your take on this because i've heard conflicting things i've heard things from uh, manufacturers i've heard things from entomologists right about uh, a celeprint in general right as a knockdown and then a long-term preventative back end wise right so i can say this is number one anecdotally Everything that I've treated with the celeprin is clean right now. Everything. Everything I've treated with mm -hmm. the metacloprid is still clean right now. Have not seen any activity. Mm -hmm. Done a ton of soap flushes and everything like that. And real quick, we'll go through a soap flush uh, procedure so people know that and what to do. But real quick on a celeprin, label says two to four ounces. Four ounces if you're in higher cut turf per acre, right? Spraying. Um, some folks are saying you really need to be at that eight ounce rate, right? So on a AI basis or a product basis, what's your take on a curative knockdown strategy for these guys? Okay. Four ounce per acre is equivalent to the rates used in agricultural crops because chlorinchronilipril is basically now the go to for caterpillars in. Crops like soybeans, corn, vegetables, uh, cotton, wheat, whatever. And as long as you get the product down curatively at that four ounce rate, you can even go down to two ounces, you're golden. But, Ryan, speaking to your first point about how if you did eight ounce per acre equivalent of the suspension, product or on fertilizer you know in the spring for your grub prevention your phone is not going to be as busy right now because what chlorentronilipril does is it enters the grass systemically at that time becomes part of the grass and 
the army worm that eats it uh, runs the risk of having its exoskeleton disintegrate. Right, and that's one of the, the main points for folks that are listening at home about acelaprin of why it is going to be a, a good long-term strategy, right? It's going to be really, really hard for, at least from what I understand of insect biology, and Ray, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the way that acelaprin works is it dissociates calcium ions within the exoskeleton of these insects, mm-hmm. right? So it's a physical interaction. It's got an LD50 above 5,000 milligrams per kilogram, which means it's highly, highly, highly non-toxic, right? To us. It doesn't have the same effect (laughs) on humans. To us, it's not very harsh on bees. So it's a good all-around, it's a good all-around product, right? What it doesn't pick up, right? Chinch bugs, it's not awesome on bill bugs. Um, You know, some of the other surface feeders, it does suppression, but it's not great on those either. But you can supplement that. With some other things and so that's the question i get from a lot of lawn care operators quite honestly is hey i'm going to spray this and it's going to be 160 bucks an acre right versus i can go out and spray a minocloprid all day long for eight nine ten bucks an acre like why am i changing okay. that, right how is that going to hit you my know why, you know, so who, what would you say to you those people? you're changing what would you say to those people you know why i'm gonna what i'd say to them ryan if it were up to me and I knew I were facing armyworm or sod webworm pressure later in the season, I would rather have that acelaprin or chlorantranilopril down on the ground because imidacloprid helps, but imidacloprid doesn't last as long in turf grass because, for one thing, your allowable amount of AI per acre is not at that level where it would last because I think I'm capped off or limited to no more than 6.5, 6.4 ounces of the 75 wettable powder per acre on the, you know, imidacloprid or Merit 75 WSP. And I can tell you that if I apply that in the spring, that may get me through June, July, August. But I'm reaching for or counting how many bottles of Dilox I have on hand come November and December because here's a little comforting thought for you all, you know, above, say, California. Here in Hawaii, I can see armyworm at Christmas. <laughs> I, I can have it so <laughs> that's that's so depressing to think about i'm sorry i don't want to think about that yeah uh, yeah so that's that's all I, uh, you know with the army worm thing and matt you can chime in i think you talked a little bit on the pre-show about it just it, you know for you guys down there it's another year it's no big deal right but for us yankee bastards up here uh we're freaking out right so it's hilarious i don't mean to laugh and it's it's not funny i (laughs) i get i get what you're going through i remember the first time i saw it it was it was shocking to me and i guess i guess that's the part where i have to take a step back and just think about it because i'm just so used to it that 
I'm like, all right, it's another army worm year. And then all of a sudden, I mean, when I say my phone rang, I mean, it was, it was nuts, like 30 phone calls, hammer called back to back to back about it. And I'm like, oh, by the end of the day, you know, it's like, let me guess, you got armor wars. Yes, I've got armor wars. Oh my God, they're all over the place. I don't know what to do, but I do it. I'm going to do that. I'm like, why are you panicking? Why are you panicking? Relax, relax. It's not, it's not, it's not going to be lasting damage. You know, and I think I think the big part of it that y'all aren't used to up there is watching how the lawns recover from it. And I think a a genuine concern is cool season grass going to recover at the rate warm season grass does. And I think that's a bit of an unknown. And, you know, you have to take into account what's the the soil moisture levels, um, uh, you know, what's the fertility level. Uh, how established is it? Is it a, you know, first year? Is it a second year? Is it, you know, three mm-hmm. months into it or whatever? Cause all of those are going to have different, different impacts on the final, final outcome, you know? So there, there, I think there is legitimate concern with cool season grass that the warm season guys can just kind of snuff off as like, you know, it's Bermuda. What is it going to kill it? <laughs> you know, of course, not. <laughs> hell no, it's not. You know, you can you can go spray it with sixty four ounces of glyphosate right now, and it'll be green in a week again, right? It's just that's not that's not what we're up against. So, um, a little a little different for 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 you guys up there, but you know, if you've got you think about it, you got a, a hardier hardier grass type, right? Like, say you've got a poetriv area, or you've got bent grass. Armyworms are not going to take that out. They're just not. You know, oh, if no, you no, can't no. kill it, oh oh no. They're taking out bent grass like left and right. That's what apparently they love, love lawn height bent grass. And yes, they'll eat it right now. They will eat it, but it ain't it ain't gonna kill it. It's gonna come right back. Oh no no! I'm gonna oh I'm gonna finish it off. <laughs> <laughs> I think you I think you, you go- missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Full Waffen SS going plan. back to the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> But I, you know, luckily, here's the other thing too is that, you know, I was looking at the forecast. We've got some nights in the uh, in the upper 50s that's going to start to slow things down. Uh, we're on a cooling trend, and you know, when you when you see army worms, typically within two to three weeks, they're gone. They've moved on, and uh, and you know, you've sprayed everything you can spray, and and then it's yeah, it's kind of out of your hair. It's it's not like we're in a tropical climate like Rave where. You know, they go through all these vicious life cycles and then they come back at, at Christmas all of a sudden. You know, well, if you've had a couple of freezes <laughs> by Christmas, you know, your army worms aren't coming back kind of sort of thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas Delta farmers brace for remnants of Hurricane Ida as harvest looms. Hurricane Ida decimated the Louisiana coast Sunday before turning its wrath on the city of New Orleans, destroying property and leaving more than one million without power. Growers throughout the Mississippi Delta region, including those on the Arkansas Delta, are watching as rain and winds from the now tropical storm move north. Rain totals and wind gusts throughout the region will be variable, according to the National Weather Service, but producers are bracing for weather-related damage on the cusp of the harvest season. Rice and corn crops could be the most at risk from the storm system. Now that we've kind of moved this far into the storm, um, I think for the most part, uh, you, you know, everything from, uh, I would say 200 miles off the Gulf of Mexico and up, it looks like for the most part has been safe, but 
I'll tell you who that did leave uh, up to uh, lodging and all this fun stuff is going to be the the sorghum guys that are that are further down south, and then you know, there's a lot of rice that's that's generated from far, further down south too. Already in a season where we see um, uh, uh, grain prices, soybean prices, corn prices, rice prices at highs, you know, big big highs anywhere up, you know, 15, 25, 33 percent. Just add one more catalyst to eke out that last little bit of commodity pricing that we possibly can, right? I mean, it's there's just there's no way. Really, if people think 2020 was bad with COVID and all that, and lockdown sucked and all that fun stuff, but if there's a year where everybody is is feeling the brunt of it and is and is getting their ass whipped, it's it's got to be 2021. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, because you, you add some natural disasters in what I call the, you know, breadbasket, one of the breadbaskets of the world, which would be the southern U.S. Because uh, rice, when rice gets hit, that's big. Because guess where some of that rice comes to, Matt? Hawaii. Hawaii, because if they're growing like medium green brown rice, guess where that all goes? Hawaii. So what? What's you know? So I'm I'm looking at this and I'm already thinking, how much more is it going to cost? Because, for example, to give you the idea. 20 pounds of medium grain rice. That's like, I think about 15 to $20 for that 20 pounds retail. And I know for a lot of people, if it, if that price goes up, that's going to hurt because their household goes through hundred pounds or more of rice per year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't even want to tell you how much <laughs> rice we go through. Uh, I mean it's it's unbelievable how much I rice have an we idea. I have an yeah. idea. I got an idea. No, I got an idea yeah. because remember now I have ja- I have, you know, basically Japanese elders, so there would be twenty pound bags of rice opened up and stuffed into airtight five-gallon pails out of the bag. I know, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we go and we get we get twenty-five pound bags of rice. You know, just about every month we do. Uh, you know, between my wife and my two kids, it's just about the the only thing they consume in this house, and it's a little bit frightening how much rice we go through. The uh, the rice cooker stays on point all the time it's always running it never stops oh lord yeah it is, uh... <laughs> i know i know i know that scenario let's just, just say that i know the scenario and 25 pounds a, a month that sounds about par for the course so this is gonna to hurt the, uh, the multicultural household here um, yeah, and just on a, on a year, we're already you know every everything everything we're being smoked from every which way imaginable right now. 
every which mm-hmm. way imaginable. Um, whether it's it's food, it's products, it's used cars, it's computer chips, it's shit that comes out of China, it's shit from the United States. It doesn't matter. No matter where we are, this year is the year of FUBAR. The question is, is next year going to be even greater than what we experienced this year? That, to me, will be the ultimate test of the pain scale, right? I can only hope, you know, I can only hope that, that things get better. Worse? Uh, <laughs> you were worse, saying you I hope mean, they got worse. The death squads. <laughs> I thought it was, it was fucking teed up for you, Ray. I mean, he just, he threw you a batting practice softball. And you just I did. That's what I was going for it. I was going for it. Well, you know uh, what? Uh, that, that's that's going to be like something that, it's going to be so off topic and so controversial. I'll save it for the show after on Thursday. Okay? I know where yeah, you're yeah, going yeah. with that, Ray. Yeah, I was I yeah, was yeah. baiting you into it to see if you would take it, but you did it, and that's fine. No, um, no, because it's like this is not the time or the place for it. No. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to this week's sponsor. We've got two sponsors this week. Just kidding. Well, yeah, actually, we do. You know what? You know who's sponsoring this week? The Grass Factor sponsoring this week. Head on over to the website. Go to thegrassfactor.tv. You'll see J-Pink has added some pages there. Uh, of course, there's there's going to be merch, and then this is what we're doing to help offset some of the costs of the, uh, of the GIE for some of the fun stuff we have doing there for the members only and the pa- uh, patron members only. Um, and, uh, and of course we added a new, uh, tools page. So if you head over to the tools page, you'll see that the application planner, which is just a rip off of the, um, uh, 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 what do you call it? The growth probability model, the, the growth model from pace turf. It's a rip off of that. And I'll tell you, I've got another guy in the discord who's added a little bit of functionality in there, uh, and not quite ready to go. I got a bunch of people testing it right now. And uh, so you're going to be able to log applications in it, and then it will deduct from your yearly nutrient removal rate. Um, so kind of some cool functionality we'll be adding to that as it's developed. Uh, also, the roll your own database. So if you're interested in rolling your own herbicides, you get a little cheat sheet there for you to work off of and see exactly what you're going to be uh, saving. Pre-emergent programs, uh, and if you're interested in learning of mitigating uh, uh, herbicide resistance and how to appropriate, appropriately rotate uh, he's got a great little presentation there that um, it should make decent sense. Uh, the other thing, too, is this is self-sponsored. So we'll go to SubvertMPK.com. Uh, Subvert Nutritionals, this is uh, uh, my fertilizer company here. Uh, if you see something you like, check it out. You know, Feel free to holler at me. We have a full line of cannabis and hemp products as well, uh, as well as lawn care products. And, uh, and we've got free shipping through the end of the year. So, you know. We can save you some bumps. If you're a pro applicator, you're interested in trying something, it's great because now's the time to get free shipping uh, from small packaging all the way up to, to large packaging. Hey, free shipping kind of sort of deal. And that's where we are. Now, we're going to move into the burns. All right, guys. So I had to throw this one up because, Demay, I know you and I have had a lot of offline conversation about this. And I'll start with the headline. Nano urea can enhance yields and save up to 50% of our nitrogen. Now, bear with me. 
This has been translated from uh, Hindi. Uh, this is from India Times. Trials show that nano urea can enhance farmers' crop yields and save nitrogen to the extent of 50%. Chemicals and fertilizer minister, uh, in for, I don't know that guy's name, and I'm not even going to try, uh, informed Parliament on Friday in a written reply to Rajya Sabha, something said nano fertilizer holds great promise for application in plant nourishment because of the size dependent quantities. And I had a pop up ad, uh, high surface volume ratio and unique properties. So and for those of you, so what they specifically tested here and the little bit of digging into it, I did. They are formulating a liquid nano urea and how they're stabilizing this as a liquid. I don't exactly know. I would have to dig through, find their patent or, or whatever they did to, to try and figure it out. But basically what they are saying is that keeping the the ionic state of urea and at the nano scales that you're increasing the efficiency of urea so much that you don't have to apply as much, right? So where typically you would need to apply a pound of urea because our current modeling shows uh, somewhat kind of takes into account the loss percentages of the of the fertilizer we apply. They're saying that this is so efficient now. At the nanoscale, it is so efficient. You only need a fraction of it. In fact, you only need half the amount of nitrogen. Here's the caveat. Are nanomaterials safe when they're so small they can pass right into your bloodstream? Just curious. Ray, you want to take this one first? <laughs> oh, I, 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 there's there's a lot going on in this one. Okay. Mm. My, my my thought on this is is that urea is already a comparatively small and simple molecule right so mm -hmm. how do you make it smaller and what do you do to it because fact of the matter is is that when you dissolve urea in water or in a liquid solution it already dissociates or dissolves into that small particle to begin with uh Guys, I smell a scam. I smell a yeah. scam. Okay. <laughs> it's here's the thing. I understand what they're trying to do, right? And the way that this has all come about, right, on turf grass in particular, hasn't there's there's really not a ton out there, okay? So, Ray, what the uh, the research that's out there does suggest, and I had to go look this up to remember who did it and where it was from, right? So they looked at using nickel, right, as sort of a catalyst, mm -hmm. right, to slow down or uh, increase uptake based on the content. So to me, here here's the thing with the nano stuff is that we really don't have any good baseline data on turf grass. And if you look at the article, right, they talk about, you know, onion and a bunch of other different ones here, uh, but no crops that are anywhere close to turf, right? So, uh, again, I, I hate to get on here and with all these startups and biotech and everything that think people are trying to do to get into the market and improve things, all that. I feel like we shit on them a lot, but it's also just like, I think we got our bullshit meters tuned in a little bit. And when somebody comes in, I mean, when somebody comes in and says, Hey, 
I'm going to cut your nitrogen use by 50%. The first thing that's going to go up is my bullshit flag, right? You know, mm-hmm. little guy's going to run Mine out of head and <laughs> pull the flag right up the pole. Of, hey, this is bullshit. Like this guy yeah, is probably full of shit. So uh, I would love to see data and I would love to see somebody. Turf Truth, if you're listening, find somebody to go test uh, nano fertilizers on turf grass, right? More than just the diamond zoysia that Clemson did, right? Let's see it on some real world stuff out here. You know, not let's, golf course height zoysia, but let's see it on lawns, right? Let's see it on high cut turf and see what happens, right? Can we re- effectively reduce it to that extent? It'd be great if we could, right? Right? I mean, if 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 what these guys are saying is true, I'm not gonna gonna sit here and discount them. But no, and there's a lot of stuff. The only other thing I'll say on this one, Matt, I don't know if you picked up on it, but the uh, I don't know what what. Wait, I gotta find it here again. The uh, what is it called? The National Fertilizer. Oh, National Fertilizer. And fertilizer, boys. You're in the States. Get you some National Fertilizer. You know how quick there would be a copyright or trademark infringement lawsuit on that shit? Uh, man, so I'm going through Give me, give me their... some TB, TB12 one. You want some TB12? So the the, wanna, the manufacturing process of this is crazy. This is, I mean, it's it's crazy. So you're working with uh, uh, ammonia gas and CO two, and heating them up to 250 C to the point of the ammonia uh, decomposing, and then once the temperature of the oxidizers reached a sudden gush of fuel is released into the reactor, the sudden flow of the fuel causes combustion and its propagation with very high reaction temperatures, thereby forming nano-sized urea particles when combustion is complete and on cooling. I don't know, guys. That sounds... I don't know if I want that in my backyard. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. yeah or, or Matt, work. let me ask you. You might not come back. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to ask you, do you want to ha- to be in the same building as that damned reactor? Do you uh, want to be in the same no. building? And, and remember, no. no. This is the We're talking about using con- ammonium nitrate, natural gas, and uh, and dry ice as a CO two source is how they're doing this. I'm okay, sorry. No, no, thank okay. you. No, that is no a thanks bomb. Because yeah, because remember now, these are the same people that couldn't keep several hundred tons of methyl isocyanate stable. Okay, Bhopal. they couldn't keep several. Opal. Yeah, exactly. Because that is the, the exact check. No, that no, that's the exact reason why that Union Carbide carburetor plant blew its top is because they had several large tanks of mesolysocyanate that they allowed to become unstable. The tanks ruptured and proceeded to gas out. Thousands of people. Now they're Matt, they're playing around with, you know, carbon dioxide or dry ice, and ammonium nitrate, and those are both things that I know go boom. <laughs> hey, what's Matt? What's the line? <laughs> end of the end of the school year at Days and Confused, and the the black teacher says, 
50 of you are leaving on the mission. 25 of you ain't coming back. That'll be you pre-shift meeting every day at the uh, Carbon Earth <laughs> Nano Plant or the Carbon Oil 2.0 <laughs> Nano Plant. Yeah, the, the Nano Urea Plant, Matt. <laughs> yeah, the Nano Urea Plant is uh, going to go Listen, boom. Guys, I, I don't have many limits, <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, synthesizing Nano Urea ain't one is 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 definitely beyond my limit. Uh, the next one here is, and boy, these are my favorite. They really get my get my noodle ramped up here. Light, brew, light bright, lawn bright review. Easy organic liquid lawn care reviewed. The DIY lawn care subscription made my lawn look great. So we've got another Get Sunday here, and this talks about how this lovely lady put her lawn through this test to check how everything is, and she's so excited. It's safe for dogs and safe for kids, and it's organic and it's natural. Remember, we talked about this earlier in the year, right? I mean, in the in the show. And so I started going through, and I looked up the labels that they have here. So we'll start number one with the product. Uh, what is this one here? Total Green. Total Green is a 1407 bioactivated fertilizer that aerates compacted soil and improves root development. Oh. Gentlemen, do you want to take a <laughs> oh. guess of what is in this? Because it starts like this. It contains urea, ammonium nitrate, potassium citrate, kelp, and fish protein hydrolysate. It also contains humic acid, bacillus lichenformis, azotoformins, megaterium, coagulins, pumlins, thergenesis, endomycorrhizae, you know, all the fun stuff to really, really get you going. And if that one doesn't make you feel good, let's check out their Turf Pop organic and all-natural type of product here that contains orthophosphate acid, ammonium phosphate, potassium phosphate, seaweed, Manhattan fish. Gentlemen, Manhattan how fish. about this for a beautiful, organic, natural product? Am I right? You know what you? Oh wait, I think JPEG linked this, and now I just clicked it. If you if you click on their organic pre-emergent on their website, it goes four oh four. I think the EPA I, nailed them. I think yeah, the EPA yeah, nailed it, them, guys. No, the <laughs> EPA has not nailed this company yet. They have not. So I found I found a, a I did some digging, and I did find the label for it, and it is hydrolyzed liquid corn gluten meal. Um, I don't know what their oh. hydrolysis process is, but uh, it's it's a it's a flowable corn gluten. You know, magic. What's the analysis on that? Does not have an analysis. It is just listed really? as hydrolyzed liquid corn gluten meal at ninety nine point eight one percent. So whatever How the analysis is, is, they are they are avoiding that claim for whatever reason. Of course, it has a damn analysis. Yeah. They're just not going to claim it. How about that? They are not going to claim it. Yeah, because I mean, corn gluten meal on its own is ten zero zero nine zero zero, depending yep. on what you get. But oh man! All right, now I've got the weed wipeout. Let's see what this is. Matt, you've taken a few weed wipeouts in your day, haven't you? I mean, we oh man, you're telling me. <laughs> Wait. Oh, that's what? the hydrolyzed corn gluten meal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, root, yeah, yeah. That is it. That is it. RX turp. Turf pop. There might be somebody that uh, listens to the show that hates us that might find that uh, offensive and go after these guys. So if you are listening, please do. Litigation today. The, turf pop. The green Sounds... machines. Urea, potassium phosphate, ammonium phosphate, more fish, more seaweed. I mean, guys, there's not anything about this that's natural or organic. 
Like this is just straight up synthesized raw materials that all liquid fertilizer manufacturers use, except for the fish. Well, I know that's I the mean, only I thing you need. Fish before, I like yeah. the fish. The fish is good. No problem with the fish. Yeah, it's good. I got no problem. It's good. Well, yeah. lovely. So yeah. now it gets What's to smell cost? like that. That uh, that sewage like that hell. was coming out of that. No, it would it would smell just like the sewage that they dumped in that bay in Africa that killed all the all the fish. Yes, because there's guys. I remember what the Alaska fish emulsion smelled like because there was this product called Alaska fish emulsion came in a one gallon jug, and all the old time orchid and bonsai growers were crazy about it, and. You, gross. That's what fish smells like. I, I'm gonna see if I can find <laughs> the product I use. I love these guys. Here, let me see if I can link it. They'll probably hate me for doing it, but whatever. Um, because they're very low key. This stuff came. We would get this in uh, thirty or fifty gallon drums, fifty five gallon drums. Here it is. Is it the one Two, from three, Shark? One. No. Uh, let's see if we can get a label on this. Somebody give me a label. Where you at? Great guys out there in Lancaster, PA. Uh, I'll zoom in. Bear with me. So, you know, the, the fish stuff is like, um, I don't know, right? Like you, you, you're getting some of those proteins, amino acid kind of things. You get that, that yeah. vibe from it. Right. And what you're actually getting and this is this is no joke so the guys that sold me this way back in the day when i was on the golf course would even tell you like hey listen when you get into uh high disease time right like now or you know middle of july you need to cut this rate back and of course i was i was young and i was stupid and i was pedaled the metal and i wouldn't do it but um i started doing it towards the end and uh, check pots did, did look better you know, we weren't spraying fungicides and overall it was a good product to throw in there. It was cheap, you know, at the time and I didn't feel bad about putting it in there, but I don't know. Right. I, uh, this stuff. Oh, this so is from did, old Barry. I know this. Yeah. 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 Or what, you know what's his guys? name? Eric. What was that? Eric? Eric, Eric Morgan, Eric, Eric Morgan. Yeah. He's, he's, Great. he's a sharp he's guy. Super good dude. Yeah. yeah. He knows his stuff. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the big thing with this ray, though, is that you'd have to skim it off. I mean, legitimately, you'd have to put it through like a paint strainer into the bucket because you'd have like little chunks of fish guts and scales and fucking bones and everything. <laughs> like, they did their yeah. best. This You knew you were getting the real deal here. This wasn't like, you know. Oh, man. You know, I, I'm just catching like, a day from two weeks ago that they threw in a bucket. Yeah. You see, you know what this reminds Look me of? how happy of? that fish is, too. Look at that fish jumping yep. out of the ground. Yeah. Look how happy he looks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, based on your description, though, I, I, I could be, could be. But anyway, you know what this stuff sounds like? This sounds exactly like the what they call fish sauce in Southeast oh, yeah. Asia. Yeah. Okay. This sounds exactly everywhere. like. Yeah. yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, Okay, uh, fish sauce is essentially 
fish that was thrown out in the sun, allowed to rot, and you collect the drippings from that and you put it in a jar. And so therefore, uh, it's also salted before it's allowed to rot. That's the difference. But anyway, I'd imagine that the smell is similar. Okay, the smell is similar. So, Ryan, now you understand why I have an affinity for things like steaks and pork chops and pizzas. Because they don't smell like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you don't have to leave pizza. <laughs> You don't have to leave a pizza out in the sun. You know, just leave it out. Are you, Ray? This is this is a serious question for both of you because you just got it on the topic. Leftover pizza. What is your preferred uh, eating method or preparation of that? Are we, are we hungover in the cold. fridge? You leave it out room temperature. Cold, like out of the nope. fridge, or cold room temp. It doesn't matter either or. It depends on All how right, inebriated okay. I was when I when I ended the okay. Evening. And okay, it's, it's for the me, first thing I see, I'm just going to consume it as is. For me, here's my here's my pizza reheat. It goes on a cast iron pan, and it's slowly rewarmed until the crust is crispy. I love you, Randy. I'm, no, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a pizza. <laughs> no, I I literally. Want the pizza almost as good as how it was when I first slid it on its pizza steel the night before. And except for when I make the Sicilian grandma style pizza, guess what I do to a 12 to 14 inch round pizza, Ryan? Guess what I do to it? Eat the whole thing in one sitting so you don't have any leftovers. There are no leftovers. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there are none. Okay, damn it. <laughs> See, I knew it. 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 Oh, we'll move, we'll move on. Question I had to ask. One. Uh, to the next one here, and uh, yeah, I've got this under Burns. I, I, I don't know. I kind of wanted to flip it into return all in one here, but uh, teenagers' lawn care company out of business after thieves steal equipment, and uh, so. Young kid, Richmond Heights teens, lawn mowing equipment, which he used for a small landscaping business, is gone. He's asking for the public for their help. My first reaction was I was in so much shock and super angry and frustrated because I worked so hard, said Wilson Stahl of Lawn Barber St. Louis. The thieves spotted the trailer around 4.15 a.m. Sunday morning, got the equipment, and came back to steal everything. The coupler was locked. There was a big lock on it. They just backed their truck up, took the straps, and strapped it around the bumper and pulled it away. The thieves are caught on uh, not one, but three different security cameras. Kid was uh, quoted as saying, I put so much effort into it in so many days. I just sweat and work so hard for it. And I don't think they realize it or I don't, if they realized it or were just terrible, terrible people, maybe a little bit of both. And they just took all of that away from me. Mm. Listen to the, to the motherfuckers that decided that this was a, was a good thing to steal from any lawn care company out there, I mean, you've got to be a real piece of shit because these are the guys that are out there working their ass off. And look at them. Look at them in the, in the video here. These are the most horrific-looking people I've ever... I, ha. This is... I'm going to say this. Frustrating. People, people steal this shit because you know why? 
You know why people steal this shit? Because there are pieces of shit that are worse. That's what I'm saying. There's pawn shop, but there's people buying this shit on the black market. There's absolute. I mean, I've I've seen it. I've heard of it. And I I can remember being, I don't know, like 18, 19 years old. Guy a little bit older than me had a lawn, lawn care company and pulls up one day. He's got like a, not a new mower, but a really new mower. And I'm like, dude, like where, where did you get this? Like, this is when zero turns are really like just starting to come and become commonplace. And, um, he was like, oh no, I got a good deal on it. And he told me, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a man of the world at that point, but I'm like, dude, that's probably stolen. And like, no, 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 no. I just got a good deal with this guy. You know, he wanted to get rid of it. And I'm like, nope, it's stolen. Sure enough, six weeks later, right? They pinch this guy and he tells him and rolls on everybody he sold it to. Now my buddy didn't get in trouble, right? He didn't know, but got lost his mower because it was stolen, right? He bought it off this guy. He So he was out the money. Now he didn't have a mower to you know, mow all the lawns that he had picked up in the time. You know, all I'm saying is like, if you're one of those people and you think you're going to like, make out on this deal monetarily like first of all fuck you and number two have some sense about you right seriously earn it the right way earn it like this kid was trying to do go out there do the work earn the money buy the equipment and do it the right way you know so that's my only thing is just every time i hear about this i feel sick for the people but i just can't help but think about you know, the people that are keeping these thieves in business, right? And that's the thing that's probably the most frustrating is they're they're probably amongst us. We might even know them, right? So if you see your buddy or something gets something new and you're like, man, where'd you get that? You know, if they give you a sketch answer, don't feel don't feel bad about calling them out. I, I wouldn't. It's bullshit. Ray, what do you think? I, I'm just beyond uh, words. And people often ask me, how come I can turn my back on a truck full of equipment, for example, and not worry too much about it? It's not because I have the super alarm system. It's not like I have the, you know, booby traps. It's not that I have my friend's Doby, you know, sitting in the driver's seat. Because, by the way, I have a friend with a beautiful black female Doby. She loves me, but if you don't belong there, she'll eat you alive. But anyway, I digress. But the reason why is because I have so much exotic one-off equipment that basically if anybody else in town is seen with it, they know it's where the fuck did you get this from because I only know one person that has this shit and it ain't you (laughs) so gonna be like so where the fuck did you where the fuck did you get it from see man you see bobby over there in iwa beach was spraying with a backpack with a trident on it weird man yeah you know ray (laughs) ray would take the landscape scissors and put it to their nipples (laughs) then their appendages who who said landscape no, who said landscape scissors? Because Matt, I go straight for the thirty-two tooth carbide tipped saw blade. Whatever. 
What's what's the scene from uh, Casino? I keep doing movie yeah. references. Screw but, the uh, screw the scissors. Can you, screw the rotary scissors, Matt. Can, can you do that with your left hand? Can you do that with your left hand? And then Matt's old favorite one, the hammer right to the hand, just bam, right there, going for it, right? I can well, see Ray I, doing something I, like that. No, no, Ray, all I do Ray is Ray I would just... torture these people. It would not be anything friendly or socially acceptable. He could never tell anybody about it, but they would never steal anything from him ever again. Hundred percent. No, I yeah, and you know I, and you know why a lesson. Yo, and you know why? It's because as much as I'm afraid of, you know, the Muslims, I believe they do have one thing right in that thieves should lose the hand that they use to steal with. They should lose their Moving fucking on. hands. <laughs> All right, listen, this next one here, this is the highlight. This is the highlight article of the show. And it starts out exactly like this. Uh, EcoMy LLC selling misbranded products. So it turns out this subject is a notice of advisement from the California Department of Pesticide Regulation. Uh, this is a notification that EcoMy LLC may be in violation of provisions of the California Food and Agricultural Code in implementing regulations for their products. Whack out weeds, EcoMite products may be misbranded and or unregistered in violation of California law. Specifically, DPR believes that your products, uh, your company markets as organic and minimum risk 25B exempt contain glyphosate and other disqualifying active ingredients. And if we scroll Oops. down here and we take a look what whackout weeds actually contained, it contained 192 milligrams per milliliter of glyphosate. And to convert that into units that you and I both understand, that would be 19.2%. And to put that into perspective, most commercial concentrations of glyphosate we use as professionals is a 41% active ingredient. So if this is a 19.2, <laughs> this is roughly half Ranger Pro. And then added to that, for shits and giggles, is a little bit of cypermethrin, bifenthrin, permethrin, and carbaryl. Gentlemen, what in the fuck is going on in someone's head to sell a, an organic glyphosate replacement that is made up of 50% glyphosate? And you know what the use rate on this was? Eight to twelve ounces what? per thousand. So that would be a four to six ounce per thousand rate of Ranger Pro. This well, you know what that sounds like to me. Lethal <laughs> as shit. Two gallons Toxic. per acre on forty one point five is ridiculous. All right. So to put that in perspective, right? Like if I was gonna go out and kill cool season right now today, Ray, right? Mm -hmm. Uh I might go two quarts if I'm going to go crazy. Two quarts per acre going crazy. I could cut that down in half and still probably be pretty successful at a quart per acre. These guys, though, not like I'm trying to think. Here's what I want to know is like, what was the conversation like in, in their minds? Because it was okay, clearly, we're going to misbrand a product put something out there that is completely not what we say it is but <laughs> somebody was like somebody was like yeah 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 that's all good but like 
you got to make sure the shit works. And so, you know, Tommy, the chemist is over there running the numbers and he's like, you know, crunching this all down. And he's like, I, I got it. Guys. Do. I got it. Big, I got big, it. Yeah. Deep drag on the, big, deep drag on that palm all unfiltered. And what's that? Now we need, we need Sam. I'm going to go movie reference again. Before he spits it out, he's going to do the Samuel L. Jackson from uh, Jurassic Park. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> and then he just says, here we go. Two gallons per thousand. You're going to light it up. <laughs> this okay. is the most impressive label. And it's not just the fact that this is a non-selective weed and grass killer uh, organic uh, alternative. Why not throw a little bifen, permethrin, cypermethrin, and carbaryl on it just for grins and giggles? We're going to add what, a Matt? bunch of insect controls for fun. You know, well, dude, yeah, and, perimeter pest control, perimeter weed control, all of it, all the perimeters. Here, here's where it's no longer funny to me, and this is like horrific, is if I wanted to sabotage an organic, a certified organic grower, I mean, like, fuck him up for at least two years, what I would do is I would throw in... <laughs> Cypermethrin, bifenthrin, and permethrin, because those active ingredients are easily detectable months after they're initially mm. applied. And let me explain something to you about the certified organic growing program. When you are certified organic, you submit samples of your soil, water, plants, etc., and they test for everything. And parts per billion amounts of any of those above active ingredients present in your soil, even not necessarily on plant tissue, kicks you out, and you're kicked out until you test clean again. So. I'm sitting here literally horrified knowing that whoever applied this product is fucked over for at least one year. I'll be dead honest. This is this is no joke. Like I would seriously write a letter to California Attorney General or whoever that they should <laughs> they should go so hard after this person, right? That they have no choice but to plead guilty. And then I would love to hear them allocute in open court, right? That they would have to sit there and say how they did it, why they did it, what happened, all everything. They'd have to just spill their guts, right? In in lieu of taking a you know a somewhat lighter sentence. But oh hell, I mean this had to be I mean, this had to be sold in more states than California, right? Like this is just yes. the tip of the iceberg yeah. for these guys. Oh yes, and doing a little googling, and you know it's been approved for use in school districts of Connecticut. I mean all over and there's a press release for oh really too yes oh and uh boy. so it's not just california this is a national scandal at this point and like you said ray if this impacts organic certification for these growers for x number of years you can only imagine what the fallout of this is going to be in fact if this person ended up dead as a result of it it would not surprise me as tight-knit 
And as backwoods as this industry can be, especially on the ag side of things, uh, boys, you in for a world of hurt. You're messing with the wrong people. Uh, these are people with lots of land and digging equipment. All I'm saying is that, you know, you might get buried. Well, what if the, a what if field, the like casino? Yeah, well, okay. What if now, what if hypothetically, Matt, the user of this, you know, highly contaminated and misbranded product was not your crunchy granola eating vegan uh anti 2a liberal what if i'm just saying they're they're not dude these <laughs> organic growers i'm telling you these organic growers they get into to their method and they they want to make the organic money on a smaller plot of land and, and that's what they do they end up making you know more uh, uh they make the same amount of money as commercial ag right but they're just doing it on a smaller scale because you get a little bit higher margin out of it right and you start messing up where all of a sudden they've got to go conventional and they've only, they're only growing four acres, 10 acres kind of sort of thing. And now they've been reduced to conventional prices. Boy, they just took a massive pay cut. And those guys, I don't care how crunchy, granola, hippie, happy, hacky sack playing people they are. Those Birkenstocks <laughs> are going to come off and some shit kickers are going to be put on. And all I'm saying <laughs> is that they will disappear inside somebody's rectum by the end of it. Um, and I would not want to be on the receiving end of that boot kick. I promise you. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we'll we'll move on from that. I will continue to keep my ear to the pavement on that one uh, because uh, I would be I'll be real interested to see how that plays out. And I will definitely keep everyone updated the, because there may be some inside baseball going on there. I don't know. Is that the uh, pavement inside the yard at Federal Pound Me in the Ass Prison? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Got it. I love that reference, by the way. I love that reference because, you know, I I thought Bolton. that. No. Yeah, Michael Bolton yeah, it was a great name until the, until that No Talent Ass Clown started winning Grammys. Yeah. All right. Go on. Go on. <laughs> We're gonna move on to this week's returns. La 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 la. All right, starting at this first one, I thought this was kind of interesting, and it was good to hear. I like when it, when somebody gets to uh, stick it to the man, so to speak. And the, it reads like this. Regulatory hell. Farmer and veteran wins 10-year wetlands fight with the government. And to kind of summarize this, uh, this old man had uh, 2,200 acres, and uh, the government came after a very specific 2.2 acres. So he had installed a drainage system on it. And uh, eventually the drainage system failed, so they stopped farming it. And they refer to this as uh, it became a, a swamp and therefore a protected area. He asked for permission. He was given uh, permission to make the repair and, uh, and resume farming it. Well, as he cut down the trees to, to start that whole process, they deemed him a swamp buster, therefore in violation of law. And the federal government came down with the almighty fist and stuck it to this guy. And for the last 10 years, he has been fighting over, even though he was given verbal permission, it was not in writing in the bureaucracy of what is the government in general, held him tooth and nails from being able to farm, a, maybe not necessarily altogether, but 
Uh, he he was foobarred for a long time, and he damn near lost everything trying to fight this. But he did, and he won. And life is returning back to this old man to be able to work out those last few years of eking out every last bushel of corn and soybean that he absolutely wants to. I love to see it. Sticking it to the man. Hey, it's no joke though. Like it, this is something that, um, yeah, whatever developers get into these, these situations these, in these quandaries. Like I can think of several you know, situations here where same thing happened and they're allowed to redevelop, or uh repopulate a wetland miles away right and for whatever reason this guy gets the cold boot and i don't know the details of what he has gone through to get to this point right of of 10 years of fighting i can only imagine the legal bills and you know just the strife in his personal life to get to this point but you know proving a point right that this is my land like you told me i could do this and then i guarantee you that what happened was somebody in good faith said, Hey, yeah, you can do that. And then at some point, whether it was told to them after the fact, or they realized that after they told him that they fucked up and they couldn't own up to it and say, Hey, listen, you know what? We screwed up. It's 2.2 acres. We're, you know, we're going to allow this to happen and stand behind our word because we messed up. Right. But they're the government and they have to save face. And I understand all that kind of stuff. And I'm not anti-government, but I am, anti-nonsense right ray i think you're the same way is that and the government's here for a purpose but at the same time this is nonsense right this guy has been on this land for how long right and yes Third generation is it an emergent yeah is this an emergent wetland yeah by the definition no. of it but this guy it, it was only an emergent wetland because of improvements that this guy made and then wanted to make right again and so I don't know. I, I kudos to this guy. I'm glad it worked out, but it's unfortunate that it took as long as it did to get to this point. And luckily, his son was able to help him out through the legal process. Because could you imagine what the cost of legal fees uh, oh. over a ten-year period would be? And then on top of that, where do you find a lawyer with this level of expertise taking on the USDA and all the, the you know local laws and all that bullshit? I mean, stick it to the man. Take him down. move on to the next one here third grader starts his own lawn mowing company here we go gentlemen we all begged our parents as kids for something expensive and most of us heard them say get a job and that's exactly what this eight-year-old jordan mallory did when he started a lawn mowing company in nashville tennessee it takes some people years to start a business but for one young man it happened before he even reached high school my dad i told him if i wanted a new dirt bike and four-wheeler and he said that for me to start a business. I asked him what kind of business. He said a grass cutting business. It's only been a few weeks and Jordan admits it's not easy. I had to buy gas. I got to fill them up all the time. It's a lot of hard work, but he has help thanks to his mom. The first day I asked people, they said no. The second day I went out and tried, they said yeah. I'm super proud of him because as soon as he gets home from school, it's homework if we have any, and then he's out to go out and task it and get it done. Kudos to this kid for working in the industry and that look, yeah. you see how much work that that murray 21 inch side discharge like that is a walmart mower and a half and he's out there making it work i don't know maybe a yeah. troy built i can't tell 
You know that that Honda is going. (laughs) (laughs) Right through that six inch, right through that six inch Bermuda, right? Yep. I know. You know, this poor kid's going to hit a golf ball or something and it's going to freak him out. (laughs) Ray, what would we have to pay you to wear those pants while you're doing lawn care work? Because I will buy them for you right now. Like, I will go. No, 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 no. Ray, what would it cost to have you mow a yard with that mower? (laughs) (laughs) One billion dollars. No, we can set some charity up. Like, I'm serious. We'll find some rickety ass shack somewhere up there in Honolulu and we'll say, hey, you need to let your grass go for like six weeks right and then we want our friend ray to come in there and push mow this for charity right and you know we, we can do something like that we'll set up a charity every <laughs> step or every 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 foot you mow or something like that like we'll donate something to a charity out there in your name right actually i'll tell you what guys at that point it's not even the mower because that is my actual use for the 32 tooth blade is when something gets high, the saw comes out. Oh, you put a saw on a rotary mower? No, I have the saw oh, on, on the, the end of my eater. trimmer. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I put the a same saw, saw on my that you would use to torture the people if they ever stole your equipment. The same, the same, the same one that I would use as the uh, theft deterrent. Okay, Matt. <laughs> I, I get it, Ray. I I <laughs> I could see Ray out there with a the, with a giant carbide blade, taking out the sides of people's vehicles, just shaving through right down the the whole side of the car, taking out their windows with it, car tires, barreling straight through the the rims of the wheels, just everything, everything. The whole thing. Yep. All I can think of with the, Ray is the saw is. For all all my life, I've been making this distinction, right? And I've been making it incorrectly that, you know, you go like this, right? And everybody thinks G-spot, but really, this is the gore spot for Ray. This is, you know, you goose the throttle a little bit, you're going to get into the gore spot with the Shaw and just blood, guts, tissues everywhere. So nine inch, nine inch blade at 7,000 RPM. Nine inch blade. <laughs> sounds like an indie car going through turn four at imf can you imagine the gyroscopic effect turning it back and forth in your hands you know it just feels like it's just going to take off in the other direction if you hold it at Actually, the appropriate angle does it fly like an airplane nope it, it feels really smooth and steady it, it's like with that with that gyroscopic force it's just so, you know, steady. And to my point, uh, I remember loaning it to a friend of mine and I warned him before giving it to him, caution, this stuff goes through metal, wood, concrete, whatever. And I get a call from him that afternoon and I said, Ray, guess what I cut through? What did he cut what? through, Ray? He sawed a 
backflow preventer in half. <laughs> because, well, because because here in Hawaii, you know the RP the RPZs, uh, Ryan, they horseshoe out of the ground in a front yard in, in the front yard, and uh-huh. he just went rawr, right through one leg of the horseshoe, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said, I sawed through the the copper pipe, Ray. What do we do? I said, okay, don't panic. I think a coupler and some solder will get this back to all right. And I said, didn't I just tell you that this damn thing will saw through anything? <laughs> we'll move on to the last return here. Richmond firefighters finished mowing the lawn of a resident treated for heat stroke on Saturday. Listen, there are good people out in the world. Oh. Members of the Richmond Fire Department went the extra mile when responding to a call of a person having a heat stroke. Engine 22 and crew arrived at Kinsey Avenue in Richmond's south side and found the person overheated from cutting grass. The person was transported to the hospital, but the engine crew stuck around and finished mowing the person's lawn. What a great story. I wish, I wish this was the dominated... If I turn on the news every day and this was what made up the entirety of the headlines... I would be in such a better mood all the time instead of turning on the news and being like the Taliban has confiscated and is attacking us us citizens with $85 billion of weaponry. Uh, uh, COVID has migrated into a, a new genetically superior form that is resistant to everything and will kill everybody tomorrow. You know, you know, the typical, the typical, the world is ending stuff. This is this is great. I wish this is what made up the news. Me too. I mean, this just is what makes me have some faith in humanity that there's still some people that will do the right thing even though they're not mandated or required to. I mean, it's stuff like this that keeps me going to where I don't think that you know, 50% of the population needs to be immediately terminated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to be checking out this week's mailbag. You've got mail. And we got a question from Alex here. Alex said, with all the talk about global warming, with regards to the environment, what do you feel is the single greatest advance in homeowner lawn equipment? And I didn't know how to how to answer this. My my, I would give the the got, got stereotypical battery powered equipment. Got to be the hose and sprayer, right? A hose, <laughs> hose and sprayer. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, <laughs> surely <laughs> I jest. Ryan. <laughs> I mean, there's some people that would argue for it. Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> what am I doing? How much have I put out? I don't know. <laughs> I don't care either. Was this thing right, on? So- I, damn it! It was. It's empty now. I didn't know it was on. I go, Marty. I just went out there and treated my whole backyard with a with a jug of that stuff. <laughs> I treated the fish there. pond with it. This is the damnedest <laughs> thing. I spilled the whole thing in it. I was filling the pool and I forgot to take off the hose in sprayer. I just. Them's them's coy is brown now. I don't know what to do. <laughs> the 
brown and upside down. Uh, I, I would say battery powered lawn equipment. Uh, you know, there's companies that have made headway with it. What is it? J pink. You use the, the ego. Don't you have the ego system? I think my parents have, have that too. Ego is not bad. Uh, my guess is sprinklers, right? Better, lower mm. precipitation rate. Good. No. Press comb irrigation. It sucks right now. I mean, it's gotten better. <laughs> if to, you know, seriously, you're if the at biggest the mercy I, of I, the I'm, installer. I well, you're at the mercy of the installer, and I'm going to say this: that I, I'm not. I'm not calling anybody out, but I am. Is if the biggest advancement that a in, that a manufacturer needs to put out is Ray. A plastic stake that goes in the ground that holds a half-ass PGP head, and that's the best we can do. Like that's the big product launch for this year. We've done fucked up. We have. Yeah, we we've done so. We've done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I can go get me. I can go get me a half moon sprinkler there from the Ace Hardware down the street and do just fine. Um, the. Is this in the context of global warming? I mean, the battery-powered equipment thing is something. I really do believe that the robot mower thing uh, is gonna is gonna change a lot. I don't know how fast. I don't know if that'll be a three-year thing, a five-year thing, a ten-year thing. But I really do believe that that is gonna change um, the way that we maintain our lawns quite frequently, or quite honestly. I think the frequency of what it's able to do versus what we see in terms of turf health with, you know, typical lawnmowers, whether they be real or rotary, Ray, the, the, you know, the, the short amount of research, the limited amount of research that's been done thus far proves pretty unequivocally that there is an improvement in quality when mowing with those. And so to me, that's kind of where my, my, uh, stock bet would be is the robotic mowing piece yeah i i would agree with that for your typical high cut cool season lawn i'd say the biggest advancement would be the robotic mowers and the what that'll do basically is that i can see that reducing the carbon footprint of lawn maintenance quite a bit because tell me now how is your typical half acre lawn mode out in say canada zero turn okay you know how much gas goes through a zero turn shit uh, tons, not right? a small amount not a small amount. Yeah, shit, shit tons. Because I can talk because I mow like uh, a half acre uh, with my with my greens mower, and I'm barely through a quarter tank or about sixteen ounces of fuel. But if you're talking about your, you know, typical lawn. That's a lot of gasoline. However, here's what I'd like to see as far as an industry advancement. I'd like to see off-grid charging options for all of these battery-powered tools to make them you know, less consumptive. Because to me, 
the second I need to stick something into an outlet, like a battery charger, at that point, it's minus points as to whatever energy savings that tool supposedly provided. The moment it's connected to an outlet. (laughs) I don't know if it's aftermarket or if it's uh, OEM, but I know Husqvarna does offer... Or you can for your Husqvarna um, robotic mower, you can get a, a docking station that does have solar panels on it. So, and those are mm-hmm. supposed to be. I mean, li- not just like, hey, you also plug it into a one ten outlet. I think you can still plug it into one ten outlet if you want to, but the point of it is to be completely off grid if you need to be. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, I just think, you know, the global warming piece, like, is that a thing? I, I think all of this is just more tech related, right? Like, if you look at lawns and grass and turf management and everything like now, like, we are we are so far behind ag, you know, as an industry, even though we're, you know, very closely paralleled to them in terms of, you know, what our overall goals are and things like that. Like, we're not even scratching the surface right now. So we'll see what happens here, Ray. Um, you know, hopefully maybe in the future we roll into an olive garden, they'll have, you know, robotic coconut shrimp girls. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, uh, wait a minute. That's already a thing. That's no, already a thing, right? No, it, it yeah, is a thing. A, get... And yeah, there's, there's already robotic pleasure droids. Yeah, I was gonna say is you need VR goggles and just make sure you don't thrust to your TV. That's that'd be bad. <laughs> <laughs> We've got one more thing we wanted to cover here. Uh, wait, that was that was the mailbag. I think I think that was was that everything, J Pink? Did I get through it all? That was everything. You got through it all. Got it. All right. Uh, yeah. Before we head out, um, WMF it just commented here and said about the uh, the the kid who with the lawn hustle that had it, all of his equipment stolen. He's a uh, second base player and a pitcher, and uh, you know interview him about a side hustle. I would I would like to talk to the kid, and you know if somebody wants to start a GoFundMe fund me or whatever for him and you know, figure all that out, I've got no no problem chicken in, ch- chipping in a few bones for that and then open it up to uh, at least the the people that listen to us too because. I think I think that kid deserves more than having all his uh, lawn equipment stolen and him just being out. Uh, you know, he's an athlete, he's a student, he's a kid, and uh, and he's been out there grinding. And to have all that taken away is uh, is a, is a shitty thing. So, yeah, well, if you're buying a new gentlemen, mower. Go ahead and donate a new mower. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean that that was it. Uh, anything else you want to add before we dip? That was fun. You know, uh, I was I was real down on myself <laughs> about the army worms, and so. Uh, yeah, do we need do we need to pitch any other uh, Patreon plugs or anything like that? If you want to, you know, name the show, there is always that option to right join the channel and be invited over the Discord to have the opportunity to name these shows and participate in some after discussion too. So, if you're not a part of that, come be a part of that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the the Patreon is what keeps us from having to reach out to Syngenta and Bayer and all these people and say, give us your money and we'll say any and everything you want. We Any and everything you want to say about your products, we, we, well, we want to avoid that. We want to remain independent content creators. So if you want to support us, buy us an airport beer, patreon.com forward slash burner return. And 
We're going to end this show, but for the patron members, we're going to head on over and uh, and we're going to we're going to hang out with the with the with the watchers and try to title this show's episode. So we're going to stay live after this, but we're going to end it here for everyone else. Y'all have a good one. Take it easy.